Please turn in your Bibles to the 10th chapter of Proverbs as we are dealing with various themes in Proverbs this fall and as we are looking today at the use of the tongue. I wonder if you live with someone with a sharp tongue or if maybe you have a sharp tongue. All of you are all radically convicted. <clears throat> My job is done. <clears throat> uh, the following quote comes from Washington Irving. He said, A tart tongue never mellows with age, and a sharp tongue is the only edged tool that grows keener and sharper with constant use. If you look at uh, the Proverbs that deal with the tongue. First, we might reflect on the origin of our words. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The tongue doesn't act independent of the heart. The heart is the source of what comes out of our mouth. And uh, so, uh, you would read in the 10th chapter of Proverbs, starting with verse 18, about uh, the relationship of the tongue and the men being foolish or wise or wicked or just. It says uh, in Proverbs chapter 10, starting with verse 18, He that hideth hatred with lying lips, and he that uttereth slander is a fool. In the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. The tongue of the just is as choice silver, the heart of the wicked is little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for want of wisdom. Of course, biblically, the wicked and the righteous would speak of the man who is not right with God and the man who is right with God. No man is righteous in his own right. We've all sinned. we violated God's holy law. But God has a way of accounting us righteous through the death of his Son. Abraham believed God, it was reckoned unto him for righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who died for our sins. We can be accounted righteous when we truly repent, surrender our wills, and put our trust in Christ alone. Not any good thing we've done or will do, but just trust Christ, that he died and paid for our sins, and trust God to forgive us on the basis of that as a gift. Well, then we are counted righteous. And at the same time, God has done a creative miracle in our heart, as we prayed he would do in the heart of that little girl. Uh, he has given us a new heart, the Bible says. Take the stony heart out of our flesh. He gives us a soft heart. This is the work of regeneration by his Holy Spirit. We're not totally renewed. Uh, he begins this new creation. And uh, as a result... It affects the way we live. Jesus said, make the tree good, and the fruit will be good. That's making the tree good. And the fruit begins to be good. Not totally good, because the tree is not totally renewed, in a sense. But it's begun at that point. And so our hearts would be a source. And we would understand why Jesus said, marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Again, uh, our thoughts 
uh, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That would be an obvious source. The things that we meditate on, that we think about, this is what's going to come out of our mouth. Our motivations. We read in that uh, 18th verse, He that hideth hatred with lying lips. Hatred in the heart will come out of the lips. Our motivations. It uh, says that love covers sin. If our motive is love, we will seek to cover over someone's faults rather than expose them. Again, uh, from God or Satan. Uh, you remember Moses uh, didn't want to go speak to Pharaoh, and, and God said, Who made man's mouth? I will put my words in your mouth. And uh, on one occasion when Peter rebuked Christ for saying that he must go up to Jerusalem and die, Christ said, Get thee behind me, Satan, recognizing Satan as the one who was the origin of those words that Peter spoke. Now, we see where our words originate. What are our words uh, able to accomplish? Well, they're able to accomplish tremendous things for evil or for good. Uh, one writer says, When we advance a little into life, we find that the tongue of man creates nearly all the mischief of the world. How true that is. You pick this up in a number of Proverbs and the... 11th chapter, the ninth verse, the American Revised Version, with his mouth, the godless man destroys his neighbor. Or in 12, uh, 1821, death and life are in the power of the tongue. It can destroy someone. It can wound. In uh, chapter 12, verse 18, there is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is help. can wound. The Living Bible paraphrases that. Some people like to make cutting remarks, but the words of wise soothe and heal. R.C. Sproul, when he was speaking at our men's breakfast, told about as a boy how he had buck teeth, and he would go out, and there was a little kid down the block that would begin to mock him. And he would say, uh, here comes Bucky Beaver, and uh, all the other kids would begin to laugh, and uh, R.C. went home crying, and his, his mother said, well, when he says that, you just say, sticks and stones may hurt my bones, but words will never harm me. So he went back out, and the guy says, here comes Bucky Beaver, and uh, R.C. said, sticks and stones can hurt my bones, but words will never harm me. And inside he's saying, and that's a dirty lie. <laughs> uh, words do harm. They harm tremendously. They can leave permanent wounds, affect our personalities in terrible ways. There is that that pierces like the sword, the tongue that does that. The tongue can sow strife in 1628, a forward or crooked man. So it's strife, and a whisperer separated chief friends. Uh, the power of the tongue for evil, marvel not. 
that I say unto you, you must be born again. The power of the tongue for good. Think of all the good that it can do. The uh, tongue can be a tree of life in 15.4. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. We read in that 10th chapter, the 21st verse, the lips of the righteous feed many. Think of that college ministry and uh, our staff on the campus there. The lips of the righteous feed many. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, bringing life, salvation, as they communicate the gospel, the glad tidings of Jesus Christ. And then as they take those who respond and get them into the word of God, they feed many. You shall be witnesses unto me, said Christ. The power of the tongue for good can bring health. As we read in 1218 about the uh, tongue of the wise is health. Or in 1624, pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Can encourage Heaviness in the heart of a man makes him stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. Can placate, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up strife. A soft answer turneth away wrath. In uh, the 8th chapter of Judges, you have an account of where Gideon has called... uh, the people of Israel to go out against the Midianites, but he didn't call the tribe of Ephraim. And when he comes back from a victory where the men of Ephraim come out and they're infuriated that they haven't been called and they chide him about it strongly. And uh, it's interesting to see how Gideon answers. He said unto them, What have I done now in comparison of you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abiezer. God hath delivered into your hands the princes of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. And what was I able to do in comparison of you? Then their anger was abated toward him when he had said that. A soft answer turneth away wrath. But a soft answer comes from a soft heart. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. And that Softness of heart needs to be cultivated and the habit developed of answering softly. That's not our natural habit, even as Christians. The word, uh, the tongue and the proper word can meet the need of the moment. In Proverbs 15:23, a man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. Reproof and correction can be a great blessing. In chapter 25, verse 11 and 12, it says, As apples of gold, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. As an earring of gold, And an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise reprover upon an obedient ear. A wise reprover upon an obedient ear. We had a young man here who applied to be a counselor at our camp. He was interviewed by Ken Wilson, who directs our camp, and 
Ken, after interviewing him, said that he didn't feel he was qualified. The young man was a Christian, but Ken said, you're not really sold out to Christ. Uh, you're not the kind of young man. You don't have the reputation of being the kind of young man with your peer group that we want to really be molding the lives of our young people. Well, the young man was offended. His parents were offended. Two days later, he came to his mom and his dad, and he said, You know, he's right. I haven't really been sold out to Christ. I haven't really had my own life in shape. And that reproof on an obedient ear has produced great results. Next year, he's the kind of young man we'll want to have if he keeps going like he's going. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. The tongue can persuade in uh, 25.15 by long forbearing is a prince persuaded and a soft tongue breaketh the bone. My daughter Peggy has been wanting a little dog and I said we've got two dogs, no dogs. And she'd been nagging. But then she went with us this summer when we went to Boone, North Carolina where we were speaking and and she spoke also with us, and uh, she was so cooperative all week. Soft tongue broke it, breaketh the bone. We got three dogs now. <laughs> what are some specific sins of the tongue? Well, lying would be one, and. The 10th chapter, the 18th verse, He that hideth hatred with lying lips, and he that uttereth slander is a fool. What's the kid's definition of a lie? His daddy said, Son, define a lie. He said, A lie is an abomination to the Lord, and a very present help in time of trouble. <laughs> Betraying confidences is a sin of the tongue. In uh, eleven thirteen, it says, A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Faithful. Being harsh or critical. A soft tongue, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up strife. Being critical or harsh. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Now, one of the biggest problems in families today is the perverse tongue, the harsh, critical tongue. Uh, think of the damage done in families. I suspect most divorces begin right there, don't you? Cutting remarks, criticism, speaking of the other party in a way that tears down instead of building up. Think of how a brother talks to sister at the home or vice versa. There's a very helpful little pamphlet out, Practical Criticism, Giving It and Taking It by John Alexander, the head of InterVarsity. And... Uh, in that, which incidentally, we 
we took a week or so, a couple of years back, on our staff here and studied this little book. Very helpful. Uh, John Alexander says, Negativism is a disease and it's contagious. One of the mysteries in evangelical Christianity is how there can be so many chronic complainers in the body of Christ. Negative, destructive criticism is unhealthy. It saps the energy of people, sets up stresses and strains, may even poison a movement. And its, its presence can be identified when some or all the following conditions exist. One, a person spends an inordinate amount of energy thinking about weaknesses of his friends or the group he to, belongs to. Expressions of his thoughts are in tones of complaint. He talks about people behind their backs. There's little thanksgiving in his demeanor. His statements deal more with flaws in other people than those within himself, and so on. His spirit is loveless and destructive rather than compassionate and constructive. Are you like that? Far too many Christians are. I commend that little pamphlet to you, both from a standpoint of receiving and giving criticism. He has some very helpful things about giving criticism, constructive criticism. Gossiping is, of course, a, a sin. In 18.8, the words of a tail-bearer are as wounds, and they go down into the uttermost parts of the belly. 25.9, debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself, and discover not a secret to another. 26.20, 20, where no wood is, there the fire goes out, and where there is no tail-bearer, the strife ceaseth. The tail-bearer keeps adding fuel to the fire, keeps things stirred up, spreading of rumors. How bad that is. Christians sometimes engage in Christian gospel. The reason I'm telling you this is I want you to pray about it. And then we pass on some juicy gossip, Christian gossip. How destructive that is. Jerome said, No one will tell a tale of scandal except to him who loves to hear it. Learn then to check and rebuke the detracting tongue by showing that you do not liken to it, but that you regard it with displeasure. Am I the kind of person that people share gossip with? Then something's wrong with me. Boasting. 27, 1 and 2. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth. Answering a matter before we've heard both sides. 1813, he who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame to him. Wesley tells about one time when he became very critical of a man whom he felt was selfish and stingy. And an offering was taken to a particularly worthy cause, and this man contributed very little, and Wesley openly criticized him. The man came to Wesley privately and said, I've been eating water and parsnips for two weeks. Before I became a Christian, I ran up a lot of debts. And now as a Christian, I'm trying to pay those debts off consistently and I'm denying myself 
in order to do that so that I can have a testimony with those that are my creditors. Wesley felt so ashamed. He didn't know the whole story. So easy to judge another man and to criticize. And Wesley apologized to him. What are the consequences of continuing to sin with our tongue? We don't deal with it. Well, God will have to deal with it. And it says in 19.9, A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who tells lies will perish. I wonder how God feels about sins of the tongue as compared to other sins like sexual sins or murder or something like that. Look at chapter 6, verse 16. Chapter 6, verse 16. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. Out of the seven things that are singled out for specific attention that the Lord hates, that an abomination, three of them deal with sins of the tongue, sowing discord, lying, being a false witness. He puts those right in with murder. How serious it is. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. What are some principles for the proper use of the tongue? Well, number one, stop lying. In 4.24, put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious lips far from you. American Revised Version. Bobby Jones, a pro golfer, when he was 23 years old, was playing in the U.S. Open for the championship, was in the final round, was playing Willie McFarlane. They were neck and neck. On the 16th hole, Bobby Jones teed off and his ball went in the rough. He then took a club and addressed the ball, and as he addressed the ball, suddenly he jumped back with a surprised look on his face. Then he stepped up and addressed the ball and hit it. Beautiful shot right to the green. He went up and... In two putts, he was in the hole. The man who was keeping score said, Four, Mr. Jones? It's no five. When I dressed the ball back in the rough, it rolled over. Put down five. No one knew that but Bobby Jones. He lost that match by one stroke. The sports writers praised him for his honesty and uh, his comment it was, I deserve no praise. I haven't done anything except what I should do. That's the way the game of golf is supposed to be played, isn't it? Yes, it is. And that's the way the game of life is supposed to be played. Put away line. Refrain from being overly talkative. In uh, 17... 27 and 28, he that hath knowledge spareth his words. Even a fool, when he holds his peace, is counted wise. What's the one that we use about better remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt? Is that the way I <laughs> Even a fool, when he remains silent, is counted wise. 
Speak gently and humbly. We've talked about a soft answer, but in 1526, the Living Bible, the Lord delights in kind words. The Lord delights when we speak kindly. Keep our mouth. In 2123, whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from trouble. Keep our mouth. David prayed in Psalm 141.3, O Lord, set a watch before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. You know, it's that combination. David prays for the Lord to do it, and in the Proverbs, we're told to do it. And that's, that's the proper approach to anything in the Christian life, where we look to the Lord to enable us to do something, and then we go at it and do what we can to do this. Before we, before we say something about someone or to someone, we need to ask ourselves, is this really true that I'm about to say? Will it hurt somebody? Is it really necessary? Will it glorify Christ? If it passes those tests, uh, then let's go ahead. But if not, let's don't say it. Refrain. Dietrich Bonhoeffer is quoted by Anthony A. Hokemer along these lines. Bonhoeffer called this the ministry of holding one's tongue. It says, often we combat our evil thoughts most effectively if we absolutely refuse to allow them to be expressed in words. He who holds his tongue in control, in check, controls both mind and body, James 3, 2, following. Thus it must be a decisive rule of every Christian fellowship that each individual is prohibited from saying much that occurs to him. Where this discipline of the tongue is practiced right from the beginning, each individual will make a matchless discovery. He will be able to cease from constantly scrutinizing the other person, judging him, condemning him, putting him in his particular place where he can gain ascendancy over him and thus doing violence to him as a person. Now he can allow the brother to exist as a completely free person as God made him to be. The ministry of holding one's tongue. Think and pray before we give an answer. In Proverbs 15:28, the heart of the righteous pondereth how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Remember again David praying in Psalm 19:14, let the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. How can you control your tongue? Number one, become a Christian. Make the tree good and the fruit will be good. That's the starting place. That new birth. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. That's not the end, but that's the beginning. James says that no man can tame the tongue. But James also says... If any man seems to be religious and bridles not his tongue, he deceives himself, and the truth is not in him. How do we put those two together? No man can tame the tongue, but if a man doesn't bridle his tongue, he deceives himself. His religion is vain. 
Well, the way you put those two together, no man can tame the tongue, but Christ can tame our tongue. And if we will commit our lives to Christ, that's the beginning place. And then beyond that, guard our thought life. Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence out of it are the issues of life. How do I keep my heart? Well, guard my thought life. Uh, be not conformed to this world. The world will squeeze me into its mold, its value system, and its ways. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, inwardly transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind daily. As we bring our mind to the Word of God, as we meditate in the Word of God, understand God's perspective. Memorize these verses that we speak of here. Do you have a problem with something like gossip or a sharp tongue? Why not take some of these proverbs and commit them to memory? Where do you do your gossip? The phone? Why not just take a couple of these and just write them up there, right by the phone where you talk? Think that might help? You said it would be embarrassing. So what? Better to be embarrassed than punished by God, chastened by the Lord. If we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. When we're judged, we're chastened of the Lord, that we not be condemned with the world. Are we really serious about obeying God, about walking in the Spirit? Resolve by the power of the Spirit to use our tongues correctly. When you sin with your tongue, when you catch yourself doing it, deal with it, confess it. If you lied to someone, to your boss, someone else, call them up on the phone and say, I lied to you. I've done that. <clears throat> oh, goodness. I just, I'll guarantee you if you do that, you'll quit lying. <clears throat> that is a sure cure. <clears throat> if you gossiped about somebody, go and say, look, that was gossip I passed on. I'm sorry. I want to apologize. I corrupted you. I corrupted myself. Don't do it. Deal with it. Maybe you feel like Isaiah. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. That's right, we are. But God can cleanse those unclean lips with a coal from the altar. The altar speaks of the lamb, the sacrifice, the offering. God sent his son as the lamb to cleanse our lips, to cleanse our lives. He sent his spirit to change us. If you've never committed your life to Christ, start there. If you have, go on with these other steps that we've talked about. Let's bow in a word of prayer. As our hearts are bowed, uh, think of what Christ has been saying to you through this. You've never personally made the tree good. Why not do that? You've never been born again, but you want to receive Jesus Christ. Pray in your heart like this. Lord Jesus, I want to make the tree good so the fruit can be good. I am a man of unclean lips. I ask for your cleansing. Come and live in me and change me. I trust you to forgive me. I surrender to you as my master. If you are a Christian and there's someone that you've lied to or something you need to make straight or some habit you need to break, 
confess it. Ask the Lord's help in dealing with it honestly. Set about to do it today. Tell him in your heart that you've heard. Father, how crucial this is, how many of us sap our strength physically, destroy our homes, hurt others, wound them, Father, through the abuse of the tongue. How much good we can do with our tongues. Oh, Father, really speak to our hearts about it. Speak to my heart. Amen.